Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis about what God means when he calls himself the God of Abraham and how Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and others called God by that same title. Download this message for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Father, we thank you so much for this revelation of yourself that we're in now in Genesis, how it opens to us, Lord, just new knowledge of the wonders of our God. And so help us, Lord, to gain everything that you have for us as we study now in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 12. Please follow along here. I'll start reading Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out, or go, or walk, or go walk for yourself, out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, or I'll cause you to see And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed or walked as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance or their property that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land of the place of Sychem, or it means shoulder, unto the plain or grove of Moray, which means teacher. And the Canaanite was then in the land, or he was already in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain of the east of Bethel, which means house of God, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west, or toward the sea, and Hai, or high, or whatever you call it, heaps, or means heaps on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed going on still uh, toward the south. All right, now we start here this new section here, which really began here in chapter 11. And that's a very important section we're starting now. It's going to go all the way through till chapter 25. And this section is really going to be on the surface. It looks like it's the development of the character of Abraham. So we're going to see God here develop the character of this person, Abraham. But if that's all we see in this section, the development of the character of Abraham, then we miss the real treasure that's in this section. Because this section is not just about who was Abraham, the development of the character of Abraham. This section is the revelation of the character of God because it's in this relationship, this very special relationship that we're being brought by God, the relationship between Abraham and God. And if we see that and if we understand through this revelation who is God as revealed by his relationship with Abraham, then we're going to get the real treasure. So first we're going to understand what it means when God calls a person my friend. That's what he called Abraham. He called Abraham my friend in Isaiah 41.8, where he says, But thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend. What does that mean when God calls someone his friend? 
That's a title that God gave to Abraham. He called him my friend. He crowned him with that title. That's the greatest aspiration that you and I can have as we finish this life, to be crowned by God with this title of my friend. That's a title that should make us jealous. We should see this about Abraham. He's called God's friend. And we should say, I want that. That should make us jealous for that. We finish our lives with God saying, you are my friend. We fulfill the greatest purpose in our lives. And the Lord Jesus Christ told us how to get that title of my friend. He told us that in John 15, 14, when he said, ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. But this section is not just about Abraham gaining this great title of my friend or God's friend. This section is also about God taking on a new title himself, a great title. See, after this section, after we finish this section in the life of Abraham, which is going to, as you say, go all the way to chapter 25, After chapter 25, God will take on a new title for himself. And that's why we study this, because we're trying to understand what does God mean by this new title. He never will use this title for himself until Abraham has died in chapter 25. And starting in chapter 26, God will use this great new title. You know the new title I'm talking about? What is it? That's it. That's the new title that God will take on for himself. He will, in chapter 26, use this new title, the God of Abraham. That's the first time that God ever called himself the God of anyone. He never called himself the God of Adam. He never called himself the God of Enoch. He never called himself the God of Noah. But for the first time, God will call himself the God of some man, and that's Abraham. That's why it's so important for us to understand from this sections here, from chapter 11, as we started 25, that what does God mean? in chapter 26 when he starts to call himself the God of Abraham. It's these 15 chapters that we'll see developed the meaning behind this great new title that God will take for himself, and that's the title of the God of God of Abraham. You know, I needed to get some new business cards. Ran out. So I finally got them. Got them right here. There they are, my new business cards. My new business cards. Front and back. Nobody likes my cards because you can't write on the back. So, well, it's stuff there, see? And so, scan about it on the front and the ministry on the back. Uh, so I finally got to use them for the first time this last Friday. Very happy to do that. We got a tour of the Diagnostic Imaging Center over at San Diego Naval Hospital. And so from our cancer center work down at Takati, we're, we're setting up this new imaging center with this new big state-of-the-art Philips Ingenia MRI, which we know absolutely nothing about, but that's never stopped us in the past. So, <laughs> Anyway, so there are none of these new MRI machines in San Diego County or Riverside or Orange County, but uh, thanks to our frugal government, there are three at the Navy Hospital. So they said they'd give us a tour of the imaging center. So for a meeting, there's four in our team, three in their team. And since the first meeting, instinctively, what does everybody do? They give their business card, you know? So that's what I do. I give my business card. Everybody else gave their business card. It's the first thing you do. So what do you do when you get a business card? 
First thing you do is you make sure that you can spell the person's name. So you can make sure you got it right. Second thing you do is you want to know who is this person. So you get that by their title. So you look at their title. So here's Dr. Boswell. And it says that he is the diagnostic radiologist at the Naval Medical Center in San Diego. So I understood who he is. Who's Dr. Boswell? What he does? So in, after chapter 25, God prints up for himself new business cards. <laughs> He's got these cards, and it says, God, the God of Abraham. That's very important, because this is how God now introduces himself. You know, he goes out, and he gives that business card out, and he introduces himself, and he wants you to know who he is and what he is, or who he is, and what he's responsible for. God says, here's my card. See that? God, the God of Abraham. See? So the first time he uses these business cards is in chapter 26, verse 4. You might want to uh, turn to it. That's where God appears to Isaac, and he introduces himself to Isaac with this brand new title, the God of Abraham. Genesis 26, 24, it says, And the Lord appeared unto him. This is Isaac the same night, and said, I am the God of Abraham, thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee, and will bless thee, and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. Now, every time from this point onward, every time that God uses this new title, the God of Abraham, he will say something about himself that goes directly back to the life of Abraham. It relates directly back to the life of Abraham. When he says, I am the God of Abraham, then what follows, what he says about himself, he's in essence saying, is that, you remember Abraham? So look at how it says this here. Let's look at it again. Uh, Genesis 26, 24. So the Lord appears unto him the same night. So, God, this is the first time. You know, God is appearing to Isaac, and Isaac's first question is, who are you? Who are you, God? So he introduced himself. And he says, I am the God of Abraham, thy father. Now he says the first thing, fear not. So, so what's he saying here? Because I'm the God of Abraham, you remember how I was no one to fear in the life of Abraham? So don't fear, fear not. Then he says, number two, I am with thee. Again, you know, because I'm the God of Abraham, you remember how I was with Abraham? So then he's giving clarification of what he means. And then number three, and I will bless thee because I'm the God of Abraham. You remember how I blessed Abraham? And then last, number four, he says, and will multiply thy seed because I'm the God of Abraham. You remember how I multiplied his seed? As a matter of fact, you are. <laughs> You're Isaac. You are the multiplication of that seed. A little small in the beginning, but it got bigger. So he uses this new title of the God of Abraham when he appeared to Isaac, and he used it next when he appeared to his son, Jacob. So in other words, God says, I'm very happy to introduce myself to you, Jacob, and I have a title, the God of Abraham. So you turn to Genesis 28, 13, and this is where he uses it next. And he says, and behold, the Lord stood above it. So this is Jacob's ladder. He's sleeping on the rock, the pillow for the rock. Very uncomfortable night for Jacob. But anyway, he didn't have a bed, bath, and beyond nearby, I guess. So, <laughs> so he says, behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God 
of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed. You remember, Jacob, how I promised this land to Abraham? I'm the God of Abraham. So he's renewing that so that Jacob will understand, he'll crystallize in his mind what he meant. He next uses those business cards when he first appears to Moses. And Moses at the burning bush, that's where God appeared to Moses first. And again, he's happy to introduce himself as God of Abraham in Exodus 3, 6. It says, moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face. He was afraid to look upon God. So if we're to succeed as we study this portion here and getting the treasures out, there's two understandings that we need to come to. And that is what it means for a person to to have the title of the friend of God, that's Abraham, and what it means when God takes on the title of the God of Abraham. So that's our goal. That's our goal. Now, if we only gain from this section an understanding of the history of the Jews, the history of the Jewish people, and we don't see the Lord Jesus Christ as the Adonai, the King of the Jews, and the God of Abraham, then we lose lose all treasure. We just lose all treasure. This becomes history book then. This becomes something to understand from the past. But if we break through the clouds of what the Lord called a dull understanding or a slowness of heart, then we'll see that God in this section is the Lord Jesus Christ. And why God, the Lord Jesus Christ, is happy to call himself the God of Abraham. So this is a section with great new titles. For God, we could say, wonderful, he's taken on the new title of God of Abraham. For Abraham, we say, congratulations, Abraham, on your new great title, friend of God. Hope we get it too. All right, now, verse 1. Verse 1 stands here in a stark contrast to the depressing scene that we saw in chapter 11. See, verse 1 says, And the Lord had said unto Abraham, Abraham, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. So we've already studied chapter 11. That was just downright depressing, chapter 11. Glad it ended. Because it was man's first feeble attempt to found this new grand world government that was in defiance against God, without God, was actually trying to dethrone God, and it was made up by his, all his proud men, one of the stars with Nimrod the hunter. But so chapter 11 was really a picture of sin abounding. It was just going wild. And God's promise that whenever sin abounds, he'll make grace abound all the more. Like it says in Romans 5.20, where sin abounded, grace did much more abounded. Where sin abounded in chapter 11, chapter 12 is grace abounding more. Dad, Today you talked about how Abraham was a friend of God. When we read in the Bible that Abraham was a friend of God, where should that lead us? You know, it's a fantastic title that Abraham has, a friend of God. It's so wonderful. In fact, it's the reason why the program is named Friendship with God. Why that's so important is because we need a friend. We need a friend. We each need a friend. A friend that we can talk to, that we can talk openly to and not fear being rejected by our friend if we say something. There's only one friend like that. That's God. 
That picture of God as the friend that we can talk to is given to us in Exodus 33, 11, where it says, and the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. That's a wonderful picture for us. That's a challenge for us. It's possible. It's not just for Moses. It's possible. In fact, God wants us to have that kind of relationship with him, where he's our friend, where we speak to him. We speak to him. But French, all friendships have to be worked on. And so our friendship with God has to be worked on. We have to take time. We have to take time to, to speak with God as our friend. We speak to him in prayer. We speak to him real, re, in real manner, not with relig, religiosity, not with phrases which are just mindless phrases, but really from heart, from our heart, we speak to him. And then as we read and as we think about him, he communes with our thoughts. He interjects thoughts into our heads. He speaks to us through the Bible. And when we hear that, we realize, oh, he's spoken back to me. And I'm going to keep with this. I'm going to build more. I'm going to speak more to my friend God. And then I'm going to read more in the Bible and I'm going to hear more from my friend God. And I'm going to, this is going to be my life. I'm going to walk along life's way with this secret, this wonderful treasure that I have. God is my friend. I spoke to him this morning. I speak to him throughout the day. He spoke to me when I read the Bible. He speaks to me when he brings things back to my mind. And that's a building of the friendship. But if we don't take the time to build the friendship, the friendship goes nowhere. I have my friend, my my Orthodox rabbi friend, Yaakov, and he, and he always calls me and he says, Tom, why haven't you called me? And, and I say, I'm sorry, Yaakov, I, I need to call because uh, we don't build a friendship unless we speak with the other person. And that's the same way it is with God. Time has to be taken in order to build that friendship. This friend in God, we need this, we need him as our friend because what we need from a friend is that he will stay with us, that he will not be a fair weather friend. A fair weather friend is not a friend, but a friend, a real friend is a true friend. He's a loyal friend. You know, what, what, what we see in marriage is that, of course, there's the love, the passion, the romance, and that's wonderful. But at the heart of the marriage is really two people coming together as friends. And when they, when the marriage starts, any marriage starts, it's always with the idea that this is going to be forever, that this is, in other words, here on earth, in other words, that, that, that there's not going to be divorce, that there's not going to be this abandonment, that there's not going to be this walking away. Because friends don't do that. Friends are true. Friends are loyal. Friends stay with each other. That's what it means when it says in Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loveth at all times. A friend does not divorce a friend, in other words. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. And then this, but this great verse in Proverbs 18, 24, that just really describes our friendship with God. It says, a man that has friends must show himself friendly. But, and there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You know, what this is really saying is that when you're talking about friends on the human scale, it's almost like reciprocal. You know, I'm friendly to my friend, and my friend is friendly to me, and I feel like I always have to keep doing that. But there is a friend 
that's a greater friend than what we can know here on earth. That's the friend that, that's described as the friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's God. When God is the friend, is the one who sticks closer than a brother. And then we need to a friend who will be faithful to tell it like it is. You know, we're wrong sometimes. We're wrong, and we're heading right for the cliff. We're heading right for a disaster. And, I've, and, and, and that's no friend who just sits by and says, well, I don't want to upset him. I don't want to, 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 to disturb our relationship. All right, I see what's going to happen, but, you know, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. That's not a friend. A friend is a person who stops in there and says, you know what? You're not going to like what I've got to tell you, but I've got to tell you why. Because I'm your friend. That's a friend, a real friend. That's the friend that's spoken of in uh, Proverbs 27, 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. In other words, we need a friend who's going to tell it to us like it is when we need it, whether it hurts or not, is really going to say, you're wrong. This is a this is a bad choice that you're making, and it's going to go into a disaster, and I love you as a friend, and that's the only reason why I'm telling you this. God does that. God is that kind of friend. When it says, then, in uh, Timothy, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction— and for instruction and in righteousness, that's really talking about friendship there. Because, first of all, it's it, 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 when it says that the Word of God, and God speaks through the Word of God, when the Word of God speaks, God speaks. When God speaks, the Word of God speaks. And when it says that all Scripture is profitable for doctrine, what's that? To show me what should be right in me. For then the scripture is profitable for reproof. What's that? Show me what's not right in me. And all scripture is profitable for correction. What's that? To show me how I can get right. And so all scripture is profitable for instruction and righteousness. What's that? To show me how I can stay right. You see, the, the part there where it says reproof and correction, especially reproof. Those are wounds. And sometimes when we open the Bible and God speaks to us and and we can see so clearly, oh, I don't feel right. I feel guilty. I feel ashamed. I feel disgusted with myself because I realize that I failed. And this scripture here is just, it's it's like an arrow in my heart. Those are the faithful wounds of God, our friend. That's a time for us to turn to God and say, God, I love you for being the friend who, who, who is so faithful that you wound me when I need it. And we can have God as our friend. And that's the wonderful truth there that's brought out where it says that Abraham was a friend of God. That's a challenge for us. When we read that Abraham was a friend of God, we should be stepping right up and raising our hand and said, and me too. I want to be a friend also. And what's great about God as our friend is that we're good enough to have God as our friend. Why? Because of what it says in Matthew eleven nineteen: The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bimber and a friend of publicans and sinners. That was what they thought was the bad reputation for the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a friend of publican and sinners. Well, guess what? Here we are, sinners. So if he's a friend of publican and sinners, I love that title for him because that means he's my friend. I'm a sinner. He's my friend. We can have God as our friend. 
And that's what we covered today in Isaiah 41.8, where it says, But thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob, who I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend. But, but, there's a condition to us being able to have God as our friend. And that's where the verse in John 15.14 is so important. Ye are my friends, if, if, he says, if. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. So we, we, we look and I say, you know, we've got to do what he said to do. Why? Because the prize is friendship with him. And we want that. And therefore, we need to realize that it says in James 4, 4, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. That's why the word ecclesia, which is translated church 108 times in the New Testament, but really the word ecclesia means called out ones, separated out. Out from what? Out from the world. Why? Because it says that whoever will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. We want to be a friend of God. We don't want friendship with the world. So we're called out. He says, I'm calling you out so that you can be my friend. That's a great, great thing to be able to say in our hearts and to really know it's true. God is a friend of mine. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus, what a friend for sinners. How we love him so much for being our friend and offering this great title to us, friend of God. Thank you for joining us today. Now, for the month of September, Tom Cantor is encouraging you to witness to your Jewish friend, Jewish doctor, Jewish businessman, even a Jewish neighbor. And Tom Cantor wants to not only send you a free gift of his life story on DVD and a booklet to help you reach that lost Jewish friend, but Tom Cantor wants to personally pray for your lost Jewish friend who needs to be reached with the gospel before you give them that gift or have that gift sent to them. So you can go to our online form at friendshipwithgod.org, apply for that free gift online, again at friendshipwithgod.org, and in the notes section, just enter your friend's name so that Tom Cantor will directly pray for them before they receive that package or before you hand deliver that to them. Now again, go to friendshipwithgod.org, fill out the online form, or you can call us at one 800 247 3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Let Tom Cantor pray for your lost Jewish friend and we'll send your Jewish friend a free gift. 1-800-247-3051.